and turn to somebody and greet them in the name of the Lord and shake their hand. We can't do that right now. So just air, air five somebody, air high air five somebody. In Jesus' name, praise God. And uh, we are excited, amen, for what God is doing. Irregardless of what we face, we know that God's able, amen, to, to touch and minister and meet the needs of those in need. And so we're glad tonight, actually, that we, uh, some could come to church and some are watching online and trying to uh, uh, keep themselves healthy. Many people have these uh, uh, conditions and uh, that might make them a little bit more susceptible. We were kind of talking to my brother-in-law last night about our father-in-law that uh, had COVID and we were kind of just, my brother-in-law was kind of laughing. He says, you know, if anybody should have been in trouble, it should have been him because he's got everything on the list. The heart surgeries, the diabetes, the, all these different things. But we're just happy that God's seen him through it. Amen. And, and uh, we're just excited about that. His age was against him. It's uh, all these different things. So thank God for it. Back to Colossians. Everybody might say, when in the world are you going to get done with that book? Goodness gracious. Amen. Well, when you got the gift of gab and you're going scripture to scripture, amen, it takes a little while. And uh, somebody mentioned to me, they said, uh, are you uh, still in Colossians? I said, yes. I didn't finish last week and I probably have at least this week and maybe one or two more. So maybe I need to spit, uh, stay in the book of Philemon or something where it's just one chapter. Uh, but uh, we enjoy it. I enjoy the Word of God and want the Word of God to bless our hearts. Remember last week we started in verse 12 and, and it started talking about the Christian virtues. And so tonight the primary focus is going to be on verse 15, 16, and 17. And so we will be done with chapter 3 tonight. But... I want to go back to verse 12 and I want us to read it so we kind of get the whole context here uh, in, in uh, what Paul is speaking to the Colossians. So basically he starts out in verse 12 when he said, put on, or literally that means to dress oneself, uh, you know, like with clothes. He said, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. I, like I like to take that word and say long-suffering, right? Amen. Verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. That's what we ended up with last week, talking about the importance of putting these things on. In verse 15, it goes on, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And verse 17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Lord God, we thank you for your word tonight, and we thank you for this opportunity once again to come in your house, amen, of worship as we worship you and lift you up. And I pray, God, tonight that your word would once again resonate within us, amen. Let our hearts be open, let our ears be open to hear, our hearts be open to receive what you would speak unto us this evening. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, let everybody say amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. So here in, uh, in verse 15, let me read again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which ye also are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. Praise God. Amen. What a mighty God we have. We are, we are to let divine peace rule in our hearts and our lives, right? Amen. Let it rule. You see, the critical text says, the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ instead of, of God. But it says the peace of Christ. Rule. Everybody say rule again. That's a word we don't really like, right? Rule. Nobody. You ain't going to tell me what to do. Amen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Nobody likes rules, right? I was young. I was there. I know. I didn't like rules and regulations. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? When you're young, you rebel against stuff like that. You don't want to hear that stuff. You feel like you can do things on your own. But he said here, he tells us rule, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know and, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, rule comes from the same Greek root as the word beguile uh, that we read in Colossians, the second chapter and verse 18. And here, basically, rule is speaking of or means to be an umpire, to uh, arbitrate differences. In other words, if there's a conflict, if there's a, uh, you know, if there's a situation uh, that you have to step in and and arbitrate those differences, or you have to make a ruling, or uh, you uh, are uh, an umpire in that case. So in other words, the principle of peace should be the deciding factor in a conflict uh, of motives or reasons. So we notice here uh, that the peace of God is the harmony that's created by God among His people. See, the, we have all, all different kinds of people here tonight and those that are watching uh, uh, by way of the internet tonight. So we are all different kinds of people with all different kinds of personalities, right? And, and so you and I might differ on some things. You've got people that are, that, that, that are more uh, in the line of telling it like it is, and then you've got people that really don't say much. Amen. You got people that get offended easily, and you got people that just seem to let the offense roll off them like water off a duck's back. 
So you got all different kinds of personalities, all on one side or the other and in the middle. But the Word of God tells us that simply that it's the peace of God that, that brings the harmony uh, from God that brings it to us, the people. So when we as a believer, brothers and sisters of the Lord, are at odds, has anybody ever been at odds with a brother or sister in the Lord? Now y'all lying. Y'all not telling the truth tonight. You know that we have those differences sometimes where we become at odds for one reason or another. It might be uh, something simple. It might have been something big. But we do. It happens. So when we as believers are at odds with each other, amen, he's telling us that we should look at whatever action that needs to be taken, right? Amen. Whatever it is that, that will best maintain peace and foster harmony among the believers. In other words, sometimes it's not good to just pop somebody between the eyes. Amen. Sometimes it's the best way is to try to find the way that we can come to an agreement but yet maintain the harmony and the peace that God gives us. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. I believe that tonight. Amen. So uh, that's, that's what he's talking about in verse 15. Let me say it again. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. So, so the which also ye are called in one body and be you thankful. When's the last time that we've really said, Lord, I want to thank you for the harmony that I feel in my heart. I want to thank you for the peace that I feel in my heart. I want to thank you for the harmony that's in our church. I want to thank you for the peace that I have with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? So he goes on in verse 16 and he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the Christian life as well must be based upon, the, upon, upon and saturated with the word of God. That's why I tell people a lot, it's the Word of God. You, you have, the Word of God is a powerful thing. You, you, you can't sidestep it. You, you can't just kind of leave it on the shelf somewhere. Uh, you can't just leave it on your coffee table so that everybody comes in and notices it and they see your Bible. The thing you got to check if they got their Bible on the coffee table is move it. And then you'll know how often it's been moved or not. Why? Because dust will gather around it and then you'll see the imprint of the Bible. Pastor, I would never do that. No, I wouldn't either. But, but yet the, the, the point of it is, is that the Bible is more than uh, something to put on a shelf or put on your table or put on your desk. It's something that you use. It's very beneficial to you to read the Word of God. Right? Amen. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all Wisdom. So we need to be saturated with the Word of God. So uh, we, we are to let His Word live in us richly. So when the believers are, as we talked about, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, <clears throat> as, as the believers are forbearing one another, forgiving one another, loving, uh, uh, being loving toward one another, right? 
and then when peace reigns among God's people, then the church becomes fertile soil for the blessings that are produced by the word of Christ that we are becoming saturated with. Right? Amen. You plant a garden, you just don't plant a garden and just say, oh, I planted a garden this year. Everybody be happy for me. I planted a garden this year. Well, after a while, if you don't tend that garden and if there's no water to saturate the soil that that plant has been planted in, sooner or later that plant is going to wither up and die. Likewise, in your heart and my heart, if we do not allow the Word of God to saturate us, amen, then we too are going to die. Amen, because we will not be able to maintain any kind of spiritual health without the Word of God. Right? Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. So it's the, it's the blessing. So the, we want the ground to be fertile. Amen. And the only way that can be fertile is to be saturated by the Word of God. And that's what produces the, uh, the fertile ground, the fertile soil, amen, in our lives. And so, uh, you know, in, in, in fact, in Psalms 119.11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? I could stop there. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. I hide that word. I'm saturated with word. Why? Because it's that word uh, that, that helps me in my everyday walk with God. And, and it's, it's that word that, that pr probes my life and, and prods me, amen, to do the right thing, right? Somebody say amen. And so he said, thy word have I hid. I've, I've, I've brought it into my life. I've tucked it away in my life so that I might not sin. So it will be activated and my life will be fertile for the blessings of God, amen, from His Word. So, so in all wisdom, the Bible says in all wisdom here, amen, go back to verse 8, let the peace of God rule in your heart, amen, in which you're also called in one body, one, and then verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Everybody say, in all wisdom. So this phrase, in all wisdom, may relate to the foregoing phrase uh, as, as we see the King James Version and also the, the New King James Version, they indicate, or it may relate to the following phrase that another translation, the NIV, indicates. In the former, then God's Word makes us rich. God's Word makes us rich in true wisdom. If it's a latter, then we are to teach in wisdom. But in reality, both thoughts are true. Both thoughts are true. Let me say it again. Amen. Then God's Word makes us rich in, wisdom, in true wisdom, or then we are to teach in wisdom. I believe both of those. Right? Amen. I believe the Word of God makes us rich. But then once we are made rich, I also believe that we need to teach. Amen. In wisdom. Amen. Both thoughts are true. So along with the parallel verse in uh, Ephesians uh, uh, 5, uh, 19, let me just read that verse tonight. I think they, she's going to have it for us on the screen. But here's, here's what the word says. Uh, uh, once again, Paul, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And notice uh, what he says here in verse 19. He said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord, right? 
Amen. So here in verse uh, 19 uh, of Ephesians 5, this verse shows the importance of music in the church. How many likes music in the church? That's my granddaughter. She's just, she hadn't been happy all day, I don't think. Amen. So, so, so music in the church. I love music. Amen. I'm going to, you know, I, I hurt my arm and, and so we're kind of, we're kind of, uh, uh, I like my bass. So I'm, I'm fixing to pick it back up. Uh, can't hear like I used to do. So I got to get used to some of those things they're using now to, to put in your ear and all that kind of stuff. Amen. But I love music. Amen. I love music. I've loved music all, I've played the trumpet. I, uh, uh, you know, played the bass and for, for many, many years now. And so uh, uh, I, I like stuff like that. I like good music moves me. Amen. It moves me. And sometimes it's the simplest of the song that's talking about the love and the grace and the power of God that will move you. It'll emotionally move you. Amen. When you think about the words and you begin to sing the words of God. Amen. And so, so we see here that, 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 that Paul is, is, is talking about, shows the importance of music in the church in our worship, a part of our worship. And, and he uses three distinct terms to describe this type of worship. The first thing he uses is the word is psalms. Amen. Psalms or psalmos. And this word refers to the psalms in the Bible. And it also indicates musical accompaniment. Amen. Musical accompaniment. Sometimes we sing a cappella. Sometimes I decide something will drop on my head and they're, they're, they're clueless. They're like, I don't know that song. How am I going to follow you? Right? And we'll sing a cappella. Amen. Then, uh, but, but it's more, uh, to me, when the music in, begins to uh, uh, become a part of it, amen, he's talking about how it's collectively, we begin in, as we begin to worship and, and, and magnify God, amen. So, so music is a great thing to be a part, uh, to accompany, amen, our singing, right? Now, the pulpit commentary explains it this way. A psalm or from silo, uh, uh, it's to play an instrument. Everybody say play an instrument. We need more of our young people in church to start learning how to play an instrument, right? And I, I've got, I've got some, I've got a wish list. You know, we got drums, we got bass, we got some play guitar, we got, we got the, uh, uh, the piano. But man, we got a really nice B three organ back here. And there's nothing like somebody that just gets wee wee on that organ and starts hitting that vibrato and everything and you start, ooh, man, that was powerful. What was that? Amen. But music, when you collectively put it together, amen, to play an instrument, we need to learn to play an instrument. I started playing trumpet when I was young. Evangelists would come by, and, and especially one in particular, and, and we would play duets. You know, we always used to play things like when the saints go marching in, those kind of things and you could really... Right? And you'd learn to do things like that. And I loved it. My dad always used to tell me something when I started getting older and was losing interest in it. My dad would say to me, he said, use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And I found out after I had surgery on my throat many years ago, uh, I, I did not play my trumpet for a long time. And so then 
all of a sudden my lips got out of shape. My, my muscles in my, in my cheek was not, was not uh, as uh, uh, strong as they once was to, to be able to, to uh, use and, 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 and perform on the trumpet. And so I thought, well, I'll work on it. I'll do this or I'll do that. But the problem of it was I got out of shape with it, and so therefore I haven't played it ever since. And those words keep ringing back on my head, use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. You got a talent for God, use it or lose it. Amen. You know, sometimes, I'm just, just that, that's one of those upfront things. Amen. Use your talent for God because if, if you don't, you're going you're gonna, to, gonna, it's going to kind of, it, it has a way of just kind of leaving. Right? So, uh, you know, so it says, you know, instruments. A, a, you know, so the pulpit commentary also says a song, a song set to music. So the word contradicts those who forbid the use of musical instruments in worship. Right? It's important. So at least it instructs us to sing the Psalms of the Old Testament, many of which command us to praise God with various musical instruments. I'll give you one. Uh, I'm glad you asked. Psalms 150. Everybody say Psalm 150. Psalm 150. You, when, you, when you read Psalms 150, you understand the, the, the first Psalm was six verses. And it speaks of the man who is blessed. This psalm right here uh, contains six verses as well, but speaks of the God who is praised. And so here he says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So let's read it. <clears throat> praise you the Lord. Now that phrase there, praise, or it's, it's, it's a, uh, the Hebrew term is hallelujah. So he started this with Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. The translation of that is cornet. Praise Him with the psaltery. Amen. Or, and the harp or the lute. Amen. And, and praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And this last word, hallelujah. So He said, hallelujah. And He ended with hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Is that important? Yes. What is a hymn? A hymn is a song of praise to God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like he deserves my praise. Right? Do you think David was happy every time? I think sometimes he might have been sitting there on the backside of the hill, amen, watching his father's uh, flock. Amen. He's probably sitting out there all by himself, and then he began to concentrate and think. And you read uh, some of the uh, the songs that that he had uh, wrote, and look at look at Saul, King Saul, when he was being tormented. They got David to come in, and when David started playing the harp and began to uh, to sing, uh, all of a sudden those spirits would leave. I'm telling you, there's power when you begin to lock into that and focus on what you you know. Because sometimes we can just kind of sing it. Amen. Can I say it this way? We just kind of sing it and wing it. We know it. So the words just come out. But we're really not concentrating or focusing on what we're actually saying. 
My, my, my point to you tonight is this. If we would really start focusing on what we're singing, all of a sudden the presence of God would begin to move on, tug the, the strings of our heart, amen, and touch us, amen. That's a song of praise. When I feel down, I'm going to sing a song of praise. When, I, when, I, when I'm not feeling, uh, you know, all that, man, if I start thinking about or listening to music that begins to lift him up, Amen. Then when, I, when he's lifted up, he lifts me up. Amen. Let me say it. When, when, when he's lifted up, amen, I start getting lifted up. Amen. So we see that hymns. And then another one, it says spiritual song. Spiritual song. You know, there are, there are all kinds of songs that people sing. There's a lot of Christian songs. And ode, O-D-E is, a, is the general word for song. So the objective here is spiritual. Everybody say objective. Spiritual. Amen. So we have to, that, that, that's our objective. We want things to be spiritual. Now it is, you know, it, it's something that, that we look at uh, as a song. I want it to be a spiritual song. Uh, you know, you got ode for song. And then once again, you've got spiritual, which is the adjective. But is, it's used to make a distinctly Instinctively Christian. Make it Christian. You can sing a lot of things that aren't Christian. Well, we got quiet right there. Right? We can sing all kinds of stuff. You're cheating hard. Whatever, pick it. You can make up your song, you can sing this, you can sing that. Songs in the world move people. They'll get, they'll get tearful, they'll get all, it'll move them. That's the way songs work. But when you're doing something for God and you want to praise God, you need to sing something that's going to be spiritual, something that's going to move not only Him, but it's going to move you. Right? It's distinctive. It's distinctive. And so this phrase could also include sing, singing, singing with spirit. Everybody say spirit. Well, what a spirit. I don't know. Have you all ever been in the spirit when you have sung before? Right? Amen. In the spirit, I'm going to direct your attention to 1 Corinthians. Once again, Paul's uh, uh, writing in chapter 14. But it's, it's, it's singing with the spirit or singing in tongues. I'll be, oh, man, don't do that. But let's read the scripture. Let's read the scripture. I'm not telling you that we're going to come out with a language and take you in class and say, okay, here's how, you, here's how you speak spiritually with this song in tongues. No, that's not what, that's not what this is about. Amen. But, but notice here, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verses 14 and 15. Notice what it says. For if I pray, Paul says to them, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm praying about, right? And then he says, what, what is it then? Or, or the translation, why is the conclusion, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. Now, now, now watch closely. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding also. Amen. 
So verse 14, for, for, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is un- unfruitful. But he says, I will sing, and I will sing with understanding also. I will pray and understanding also. Amen. He's talking about the spirit. He's talking about this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing in the spirit. I'm going to pray in the spirit. Now, there's times that I start praying and I'm not feeling anything. It's just not working. How many has ever been there before? Where you're praying and nothing's going on. And you're talking to God. I have people saying, you know, Pastor, I'm having a hard time praying. Or, or somebody will say, I don't know how to pray. Or, or you know, and you're, you're new in the Lord and you're trying to figure it out. And you're trying to get there and, and I'll explain it. Look, it's not a complicated thing. Sometimes you just got to understand, like you're having a conversation with your husband, your wife, your friend, amen, whatever. You're sitting in a chair there across the, amen, just understand that you're addressing, amen, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you start talking to him, you don't have to use these big words, oh my, thou my God. How oft I wonder. Lord, you, know, you just, no, just talk to him like I'm talking to you right now and just open your heart and appeal to him in a simplest forms. Amen. And, 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 then as, and I'll tell you again, as you read the word of God and God begins to get in your heart with his word, amen, things will begin to come. Make a list out when you pray. Make a list. I mean, here we had 16, uh, uh, 16 requests and we still uh, missed... Uh, uh, several people that 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 are in need of a touch from God, Amen. If you if you went through sixteen people alone on a list and you start praying for God to touch them, uh, after a while you think, oh wow, man, I just went an hour. Verse sixteen provides guidelines for the use of music and worship. It's a powerful thing. I don't take for granted our, our, our worship services. I look, I look at worship as setting the table for what God is going to try to do in that service, right? I, I, look, for, I, look, I look for that worship to begin all of a sudden. You know, you know how many have ever been in a service where you would probably classify the worship service as being pretty dry? And then we've been in services where automatically, it's almost like from the get-go, man, the presence of God begins to kind of rest in this place. You see, it's that, it's that moment. It's, 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 it's the way we approach it. It's the way I approach it. It's not the fact that it's dry. It's how I have approached it. The cares of life. Work didn't go well today. Fighting with my wife on the way to church. Kids were hollering and screaming. Everybody wanted this. Everybody wanted And I get here and I'm just glad to be here because I made it. But then sometimes you want to stop for a moment and say, you know what? The most important thing right now is for me to honor and praise my God because of all the stuff that I, that, that I do have in life. I do have a job. I do have a, a wonderful family. I do, And you start going through all that stuff, then all of a sudden, the dryness, you start worshiping and praising God and thanking God for what He's done in your life. What a powerful thing. What a powerful thing. Yeah, the kids drive you nuts, but you're glad you got them. 
right? Today I thought, you know, I came in, I, I, I took a shower, I was going to get ready for church, I come out, my granddaughter's crying, and I'm thinking, just feed the kid. Right? Ask my wife, I'm, I am horrible. I'm bad. I think, I think, I think feeding them settles everything. If they're crying, feed them. If they're crying, Brother Greg, that means they're hungry, right? That's my thought. She disagrees with me on that. And so she's doing her, you know, she had given her a bath. She's getting her all ready. She looked, you know, that little dress on her and all that kind of stuff. She looked pretty and she put all that lotion on her, you know, that lotion that makes them smell good. And so she's holding her in the office and, and she's, she's crying. And my wife stops and she gets a little brush and, oh, it's going to be okay. And she's combing her hair and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, feed her. Feed her. Well, I've already fed her. There's only about an ounce left. She's wanting that other ounce. You know, but the thing of it is, I come and I go. Amen. And she's got her all day long, Right? While my daughter's at work, so and my son-in-law's at work, so she's got her, and so she she's this regiment, she's regimented, you know, you know, and and so she's just gonna we're gonna fix it's gonna go this 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 and this, right? It re- really, what 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 Justin and Jalen are looking for is for Nana to be the Nana. And then when it comes time to potty train, she's going to get all that stuff for them and get it done for them. And then, and then, and then they'll be all happy. Same way with my other grandkids. Amen. He, my, my, little, my little grandson, he'll come over and, man, he'll do everything Nana wants him to do, man. He'll go to the bathroom and all that kind of stuff, then go home. And then all of a sudden, he'll have that accident. Right? But you see what the, the, the fact of it is here is when we are dealing with God, we, we're human. We are human. We're going to have those moments, but we got to know how to fix it. And sometimes you got to be regimented and, and know how to stay on it because you know, I may not feel it, but I know if I do this, then the end result is going to be better. Amen. Spiritual songs. Amen. It's a powerful thing. Verse 16 provides the guidelines for this use of music in worship. So, let me go it this way. We are to sing. Everybody say sing. Everybody, if you need to sing whether you can sing or not. Right? Man, my dad couldn't sing his way out of a wet paper bag. He could not sing. My dad could not sing. Now, my mom was very talented. She could sing. She could play. She could do all that. My dad couldn't do nothing. He didn't. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know some of you older saints. I don't know that my dad played instruments or did anything like that. He couldn't do it. But here's what I'm telling you. You may not feel like you, you may not have the best voice. God doesn't require you to have some, some angelic vo- voice. He hears them all day long. What he is looking for and what he wants is for you and I as his creation to lift up our voice and sing unto him and praise him and lift him up. 
whether or not we're in tune or not. Make a joyful noise, all your land. Come on, everybody. All the people make a joyful noise. Amen. All the land make a joyful noise. Amen. Open up your mouth. Let something out in praise and honor and worship. And God will honor it. Not maybe, he will honor it. So we are to sing. Everybody say, I am to sing. Number one, sing with what? Number one, he said grace. And then two, he said in your hearts. Or where? In, or, or sing with your inward emotions. In other words, I don't care what you think. It's, it's not you that's going to help me get there. Now, as we join in unison and harmony together, and we begin to do it together, yes, we're, we're both putting the work in. But, but I've got to sing with grace in, in my heart, amen, with inner emotions. How many's ever done that before, where all of a sudden the tears start flowing? You're feeling the Spirit of God. Something's moving from within you. And then it's just, you're not singing to just whomsoever. You are singing to the Lord. So you sing with grace in our hearts, inward emotion, uh, unto the Lord. Now, once again, no need to get in the critical text, but it says to God, but in uh, the Lord. So it, it, it makes no difference. So music that is not motivated by the saving and sustaining grace of God, that is not an expression of genuine heartfelt worship or that is directly primarily, to, pri primarily toward other people to impress or to entertain has little value in our worship service. Here's the way I look at it. When we get up and sing, I don't care if it's a solo, I don't care if it's an instrument, I don't care what it is. We're not having choirs right now, we're not having a lot of different things right now. But just understand this, understand this, it's never about you. It's all about Jesus. Right? We're here to lift him up. Because you see, if I'm trying to glorify self, that's not going to do nothing for anybody. Now, I, I've heard people sing that were, you know, in different venues that were, that were very good. They were talented. They, it was just, the, their voice is amazing, and they, they know everything. I mean, the, the, the song is beautiful, but it just does not move me. Why? Because it wasn't moving them. Because in that moment, it was about them. They wanted you to think how good they are, and how talented they are, and how well they're, they're singing, and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's never about them. You give me somebody that, that you know, uh, like my, my grandfather, uh, Golden Welker, that would play that old flat top guitar and, and sing those old songs, you know, uh, back in the day. Turkey Buzzer sitting on the corner of the roof wondering what's going on down there. Talking about that little shelf behind the door, you know. Talking about relationship, talking about our relationship with God. And, they, and, and that's the way they did things, Right? Amen. So understand that music is not to be uh, motivated by you. It's to be motivated toward the things of God. Amen. So say it with me. It's not about me. It's all about God. Amen. Let me hurry up. One more verse. And I'm going to get this thing done tonight. Verse 17. Notice what it says. I better get in the right book. I started to read you something else. 
Colossians 3.17. Well, I'm still not there. There we are. This is the right one. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. So, so what he's basically saying here as I, as I close this out tonight is that Christians are to do everything, whether in word or deed, they do it in the name of Jesus. Right? Amen. They do it in the name of Jesus. So, so it's important for you and I to submit to the, to the Lordship of Christ over the whole of life you know submit to him let him do what he wants to do and so this is this admonition is more comprehensive than just a, um, a, a list of regulations such as the ones that that um, we have found out that characterize the Colossians heresy more than just that uh, it's it's in, it, in, instead of just kind of checking to see uh, if a proposed action is on a man made list or forbidden things, uh, we need to ask. We should ask, can I glorify God in doing this? That's, that's the whole point about it. You know, they had those little uh, rubber bracelets out that, you know, uh, what would Jesus do? You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, the whole thing is, can you glorify? If you would just stop for a moment and say, can I glorify God in this? Look at your life because you want him in the whole of your life, right? Yeah, we go out and have fun. Yes, we go do things. But we also have that, have that, that conscious there that, that God's always working on us and saying, hey, you know, just watch yourself. Just watch yourself. Can I glorify God? Can I invoke his name in help and blessing in this endeavor? him up. So the verse does not require us to pronounce the name of Jesus orally before every activity, but it deals with the attitude in which we conduct every activity, right? Praise God. Let's stand together. In other words, all of our words and actions should be consistent with the invocation of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we understand what this is all about. When there is no cause to invoke God's name, particularly at a solemn or a formal occasion, this verse applies in a specific way, telling us to approach God. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me say quickly, what's it tell us in Mark and, and James? This is an example. We pray for the sick. How? In the name of Jesus. He said, how are you going to cast out demons? In the name of Jesus. Amen which means actually invoking that name. And not just invoking it, but having a relationship with God to where you don't have to be like the seven sons of Siva. <clears throat> that says, you know, we adjure you, we cast you out in the name of, of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And they say, hey, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? You've got to have that relationship. Amen. Water baptism, how do you find it? It says in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> That's the way the apostles did it. Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16, Acts 10.48, Acts 19.5, Acts 22.16. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Why is that? Because it's in the name of Jesus. That, the name of Jesus is what identifies us as a, as a child of God <clears throat> in baptism. 
and distinguishes it from other forms of baptism. Everything we do, he said, everything we do, we should give thanks to God. We give thanks to God. Amen. There's only one. Praise God. I'm going to quit. But there's something about talking about the church and where we're at and how we want to place ourselves in this end time and how we want God to move. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. We first have to say, okay, you know, when you raise your hands, what is that? You've heard it before. It's a universal sign of surrender. First of all, we got to surrender to God. We've got to surrender. If you want God to do a great thing in your life, you've got to surrender. We have to surrender. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. For a moment here, we're going to sing in a second, but would you raise your hand and just say, God, I receive your word right now. I receive it with gladness of heart. Lord God, let it saturate my life. Let it saturate my life. Let it saturate my, my everyday activities, Lord God. Let it saturate my family. Lord, we want you to have full control of our life. Everything in it, Lord God. Everything in it, God. Saturate us tonight, Lord Jesus. bless us tonight. Thank you for your goodness and mercy and your love and kindness. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. I challenge you as well as those that are online, amen, to make your every day a day to grow somehow in the Lord. Amen. And let the word of God
amen, give you that peace and that hope, amen, that we so desperately need in this hour that we live. We live in a hurting world. This hurting world needs a Savior, amen, and we need to be the messenger, amen, the messengers of His Word to the hearts and lives of people that are lost and dying, amen. We want them to be saved, right? Amen. We will see you Sunday morning. God bless you.